Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. This is episode 20 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks for listening today. Today I have a really great interview with Michael Preby. And uh, Michael is the author of a book called The Lovely Grind, Spiritual Inspiration for Workdays, a collection of 90 devotionals for stress relief and personal growth. And um, it's actually a fantastic interview, and it is just packed with all kinds of great stuff. Uh, Michael's focus is really around uh, helping people sort of connect with God in the midst of their working life. Um, so I've kind of titled this episode Connecting with God in the Workplace. Uh, we talk about more than that, but, um, you know, we talk about things like what is uh, spiritual health and its relation and connection to physical health. Um, what do people really need in their working life? And um, he talks a lot about uh, finding meaning in, your, in the midst of your work life. Uh, and I know, personally, I know lots of people who don't necessarily... Uh, connect their spiritual life and their work very much. Um, and that's Michael's focus. So I think it's a really great topic. And I hope you get a lot out of this. Uh, I know there are some pastors who listen to this podcast as well. And I think Michael has some really great insight because he's kind of worked in sort of the office culture and lifestyle and now is a, and has been a writer for most of his life as well and done some things in journalism but uh but he's writing these devotionals sort of with the focus uh and the experience of being in the workplace and i know for me where you know most of my quote unquote real jobs have been as a pastor uh and uh, prior to that i was a student and had some student jobs and things like that but it can get hard sometimes to try to relate to where people are at in their working life um so michael i think has some really great uh insight into that uh you can check out the show notes on this podcast by just going to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com/michael and that's uh in the traditional spelling of michael m i c h a e l uh, so you can go check those out, and there's links to his books and a couple of other things that we talk about. You can also find a link on that page when you scroll down. You'll see a little link that says help support this podcast, and that means a lot to me. I know I've got a couple of supporters on a service called Patreon that allows you to leave a financial contribution to help the podcast, uh, you know, help me be able to pay for things on the podcast, like hosting actually costs money to host podcast episodes and I'm saving to be able to get a new microphone um, which is quite important uh, but uh, any help you're able to give and I really appreciate it. Um, there are also links there that you can follow me on social media like Twitter, Facebook. I'm probably most active these days on Instagram um, so you can find me through the links or just by going on Instagram to at Matthew D. Bruff. 
B-R-O-U-G-H. And I would love to connect with you there, or you can always email me as well. So feel free to check out the website and all of the links that are there. If you haven't already as well, go and sign up for the six tips to get consistent in connecting with God. Uh, That's just a really quick PDF uh, thing. I know lots of you probably already have that, and I do send out emails periodically as well. I haven't sent one in a while, Um, but I do send out emails just about content or new episodes uh, and things like that. So this is uh, a bit of an intro just about uh, housekeeping stuff and the episode today. Uh, And I know you're going to really enjoy this interview with Michael Preby. So thanks for listening. Today, I have Michael Preby on the podcast. Welcome, Michael. It's great to have you on today. Matthew, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, Michael is the author of a book called The Lovely Grind, Spiritual Inspiration for Workdays. And I know that, uh, Michael, you're focused on helping people in their working life and what it means to connect with God uh, when you are doing the nine to five and putting in your, your work time. Um, and I would just love to start right there uh, before we kind of talk a little bit more about spiritual practices and things like that. Um, but just what is it that you see people need in their workplaces and, and maybe also what, what led you to uh, writing your book, which is a devotional book. So what is it you see people need in their workplaces? Yeah, I think there's a few things that people need. Um, first is going to be a sense of fulfillment. So doing something that feels like an extension of yourself, work that you connect with, um, work that keeps you connected to others, and work that feels like you're fulfilling a unique purpose. I think uh, too often people aren't experiencing that, and it's going to lead to uh, several problems uh, People either take out on themselves or on others when they're not feeling particularly fulfilled. So that's something that I think everyone needs and deserves um, in the course of their working lives. Uh, also, stimulation, uh, which I guess is a part of fulfillment, but oftentimes people are forced to do work that isn't per se so stimulating for them. So again, they might zone out for the work day as they wait for happy hour, zone out for the work week as they wait for the weekend. And before you know it, zoning out becomes a practice rather than um, a once in a while thing. And it becomes a lifestyle. So my book is certainly directed at uh, getting people back to a place of daily fulfillment and stimulation. And uh, lastly, I would say what people need in their working lives is going to be an environment that's accepting of who they are. And that's an extension of who they are. So an extension of who they are creatively, an extension of also who they are spiritually. So you don't always feel like you're entering a separate realm every day when you walk into your workplace, but rather you feel like it's an extension of your home life, your spiritual life, and uh, your creative life. Hmm. Yeah. So, so how, so how can people get that? Like, that sounds really great. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Right. It's not always given to you by your employer. It's not always given to you by a profession. And so I think that oftentimes we're going to have to find little ways to create it for ourselves throughout the course of a work week, um, throughout the course, perhaps, of our entire professional lives, because no job is going to be a perfect fit and give us all those things I just talked about. So the way that we can kind of create our own little perfect worlds is by bringing a spiritual focus into each day to kind of keep our perspective right. 
you know, we can find little pieces of happiness and fulfillment at various points throughout the day. Even if our job isn't exactly what we set out to do with our lives, um, we can find a human connection with coworkers, with clients. There's always someone uh, coming to us who could use a kind, understanding word or some non-judgment or uh, just an extra five minutes for our time. I think that's a way that we can find fulfillment uh, no matter what profession we're in, even as we're waiting to find a profession that uh, suits us a little more individually. Um, and throughout the day, I found if people remember to, it sounds basic, but if you remember to take little breaks throughout the day to refocus yourself um, individually and spiritually so that you remember why you're at your job in the first place, and you also remember to kind of uh, take in the workplace through that spiritual lens so you always have that greater perspective and you can keep your life on a plane that's slightly above um, the office or the factory floor. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like uh, the one thing that I want to pick up on is the idea of taking breaks um, and uh, the importance of that. I really think that's really important. It might be also just because I, I just uh, preached a sermon on Sabbath. And, uh, hmm. and so that's sort of a weekly break or supposed to be that we don't always necessarily, I don't think we do very well at all. Um, but, uh, but I also think we need those throughout the day and not just sort of the timed, you know, here's the 10 minute coffee break that's, you know, happens mid morning and here's the, the other one in the afternoon and here's your half hour of lunch. But, um, but what does that look like and how, you know, how can those little, I, I almost think of them as like, these are mini, mini Sabbaths that happen during our day. Um, but why are those so important? In, yeah, in those are yeah. those are really important. I think uh, to just a keep your sense of perspective because I'll say from my own uh, personal example, the last couple of years I was at my um, traditional job. Just to get back, I worked in um, in various administrative capacities at a large technical college in Madison, Wisconsin, for a number of years, almost thirteen years, and a couple of years ago I kind of stepped away to get back to my creative writing roots. My uh, study, my university backgrounds in journalism, and I've always written uh, various things, fiction and spiritual writing and uh, news writing. And so I, I stepped away from that office environment to get back to a more creative and independent lifestyle. And the last couple of years I was in that office environment, I would forget to step away sometimes. It would be so easy to go in at eight in the morning and not see the light of day again, or even the light of another part of the building until 5 p.m. And before you know it, it's like you're existing in an alternate reality, and all the little things that are happening become mountains. And your head feels like you're ready to explode, but when you step away for 10 minutes to the cafeteria or to take a walk outside, uh, you know, that's when you really are going to rejuvenate yourself and renew that sense of perspective. So I think that time can be used, uh, those break times, you know, to do a little devotion reading. I saw was a great thing or journaling, um, just looking around at nature and doing a little life application to like, okay, this happened to me from eight until noon today. This scenario happened with my boss or with my cork or with this client, you know, how does that apply to, what I read spiritually, like in my devotion before I went into work, you know, and what, what can I learn from this so that I'm uh, growing from noon to four instead of zoning out and getting angry from noon to four, you know, what did I learn from my morning? 
That's that's good. It reminds me of uh, I had a I had some coaching at one point when I was uh, doing uh, new church development, uh, church planting, and um, and it was really good. But I I wondered why my coach kept asking me things like, you know, how long are you sitting in front of a computer for? And, um, and he would ask me, you know, I, you know, how many breaks are you taking throughout the day? And he would ask me, you know, how much fruit I'm eating? Um, and, you know, so it was all this kind of like healthy body stuff. Um, and now looking back on that, I'm thinking, well, you know, I kind of paid attention to that. I, but I was, I was thinking, well, I want to know how do we plan a church? Like, I'm not really interested in, in how healthy I am. Like, that's, that's fine. I'll worry about that later. Um, but looking back now, I just realized those are really important questions and I'm far more effective in the work that I'm doing, actually more productive with better breaks and, and, you know, drinking water. <laughs> than, than if uh, than if I'm not doing those things um, that I know I'm supposed to do to be healthy, um, I'll, I'll not only have a better spiritual life, but I will also be better in my job, um, and and then consequently feel more fulfilled in that. Even if it's not a particularly fulfilling aspect of my job, if I do it well, I actually feel better about it. Yeah, surprisingly, the older we get, uh, it seems to be back to basics. You know, reminding ourselves to eat right and drink enough water and uh, use our legs a little bit during the course of our day. I mean, nowadays you see the advent of a rising desk. People are standing up rather than sitting, and there's even such things as uh, little stationary pedal things you put under your desk so people are pedaling at their office. Um, You know, and these things... I'm not saying they don't serve a purpose, but in my mind, it's almost like a sign of the apocalypse that we're looking for these substitutions for just normal physical activity and stimulation in my mind. It's, it's a little, a little disheartening. And it's part of the reason I guess I wrote this book as well was to get people back to a sense of an actual balanced life. And what does it really mean to be alive? Mm -hmm. So do people need to leave their, leave their jobs? Um, No, definitely not. And that's a a great question because I realize that not everyone's going to have the opportunity um, to just pick up, walk away. It's romanticized a lot in our age. Um, In the advent of the internet, you see people blasting ads at you all over the web, all over Facebook. I left my job. See how I did it. I'm making a million dollars. You know, I used to be dragging myself around in cubicle land and now I'm a millionaire, you know, on this floating around in my cigar boat every day. Uh, the reality is most people are going to just find a way to be fulfilled with the everyday. And it's, you know, just about finding little ways to make that everyday more fulfilling, even if it's at a profession that, you know, ultimately isn't what you set out to do, you know, when you were a young man or woman dreaming of your ideal life. So, you know, I think there's Little ways to find that happiness, A, by bringing a spiritual focus into each day so that you can remember that your life is, first and foremost, about a lot more than any professional life or any financial bottom line. Uh, B, remembering to nurture a human connection each day so that you can participate in um, that human energy out there, those human connections. And that's something, whether you're a fast food worker or an office worker or an electrician or the cable guy, you're going to be running into other people who are carrying around a lot of their own problems uh, during the day that they're not talking about. And you can be the opportunity 
to bring some light into that person's world, to bring some understanding, some non-judgment, a little acceptance, because uh, at the end of the day, no matter what job title a person um, is wearing on their name tag, everyone has a soul underneath it all, a soul that needs attention and acceptance and happiness and fulfillment, just like your soul does. And if you can you know, kind of bring that spiritual focus into each day and also maintain that human connection, I think those are ways that anyone can find fulfillment throughout the course of a work week. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. It kind of it makes me think as well. I think it was Martin Luther. I think he was approached by... He was, or he was talking to a cobbler, I think it was. And the cobbler asked, you know, they were talking about calling. And we hear lots about calling now too, about, you know, find your life's calling and, you know, leave your, the drudge yes. of the everyday and, and, and follow your, follow your dreams and all that kind of stuff. And I think the cobbler was asking, you know, well, what, what am I supposed to do? I'm a cobbler. What, what am I supposed to do to please God to um, walk the way that I'm supposed to walk? And Martin Luther's answer was the first thing you've got to do is make really great shoes um, <laughs> because you're a cobbler. So that's, uh, that's part of your calling. That's part of your vocation. And, um, and uh, you know, that's uh, I, there was a book that I read in seminary called the other six days, which, um, is by Joseph McClellan, who's a, a Presbyterian Canadian theologian. Um, and uh, it was all about, you know, there's, there's Sunday, there's the Sabbath day, and now we're going to, but I'm going to write as a pastor and theologian about the other six days, the work week. And um, part of that book that I just loved was talking about how every Christian has uh, two vocations, except for these peculiar Christians that are preachers. Um, <laughs> And so he said, the first vocation, your primary vocation is to hold down a job in the workaday world is what he said. And, uh, and then there's a second vocation of uh, pointing people to God. And, and I thought that's a really interesting one. He says, preachers are the weird ones because their job in the workaday world is the same as their, uh, as the second vocation that all Christians have. Um, so he thought they're, they're the strange ones ever. And this book is for everybody else who is not this, has this strange life of, of that, having the same vocation. I thought that was a really interesting way of thinking about it, that, um, that our primary calling is usually to do the best in the job that we are finding ourselves in. Right. And I think that oftentimes there is too much of a wall in between those two callings that you just talked about. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I really think that a lot of people are so used to the idea, um, separation of church and state and human resource manuals that are kind of uh, really leery of spiritual talk in the workplace that people get so used to leaving the spiritual side of themselves at home that after a while they start to feel fragmented uh, as a human being. You know, not every workplace is going to always welcome the unique parts of you, your creative side, um, your sense of humor, or your spirituality. So I think people have gotten a little too accustomed to leaving uh, themselves at home and especially their spiritual selves. And if we can break that wall down a little bit to where there's not such a separation, we step out in the door. I think that's going to cut back on a lot of anxiety for people Mm -hmm. so they don't have to sit there and think, okay, who am I supposed to be right now? And who am I supposed to be in this meeting? Who am I supposed to be on this business trip? Instead of just saying, I'm going to be myself no matter where I go. And that includes bringing my spiritual life with me and my so, belief with me. So what does that look like in, in practical terms for somebody in particular, if somebody's in a workplace where I, maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't a rule, but there's just sort of an unwritten expectation that we don't, we don't talk about 
spiritual. Sure. I, I think at first, first is going to start with your actions and just how you conduct yourself. Uh, people can tell when you're someone who's not participating in all the workplace gossip or petty games or slandering others. After a while, they start to realize what's different about this person and why. And they, after a while, some of them are going to ask, well, you know, what, what do you believe and why are you refraining from, you know, getting involved in this discussion or this argument? You know, practicing just a refusal to get involved in those petty games and a refusal um, to judge people so quickly. So first, it starts with your behavior. And then I think, secondly, it's going to start with not shying away from spiritual conversations if the topic comes up. Now, that's, in my mind, certainly not a preachy thing. You know, because there's several ways, as we all know, to go about it and certain ways put people off, other ways bring people in. Um, so in any workplace, if you have two or three good friends and eventually little by little, you're just uh, giving them different pieces of knowledge that you've stumbled on spiritually or things that really uh, give you motivation and creative energy that come from, say, the Gospels um, or different devotions you're at. Eventually, they just get more and more curious and people start to ask, like, for example, I mentioned before, I worked at a large technical college. In an environment like that, you know, it is separation of church and state. Well, interestingly, what you're going to find is in people's quote-unquote personal lives, most people are identifying themselves um, as certainly religious, but in America, Christian anyway. So it's like everyone's kind of tiptoeing around, afraid to bring up, you know, the quote-unquote Sunday part of their life. You know, whereas if people were just a touch more open to talking about it, they'd find that everyone else is also um, a believer in some respect, and in most cases, at least in the United States, uh, a Christian in many cases. Yeah. So now, now you got to talk to Canadians too. So <laughs> you know, right, we have a bunch right. of Canadian listeners and I, I don't know, our reality, it might be, might be different. I'm a pastor, so I don't really know because I'm not necessarily working in, in those kinds of environments, but we we're, we're a lot farther along on the secular path, I think, in Canada. Um, so that can present a bit of a challenge. But my sense, too, in just with talking with people, is that even if there isn't necessarily Christian or church connection, that there, uh, there's a lot of people that will say, that, that will maybe say that they're spiritual or that they believe in God, but but they don't believe, but they don't believe in the church. They don't like, so I think there's still, maybe there's still a connection point there um, that we maybe don't think about. uh, And it may not necessarily be about, uh, about church as much, at least in Canadian society. Um, Right. And I think a great way um, in any society to kind of retool your own approach to Christianity is going to be to constantly go back to just the words of Jesus. In some Bibles, you're going to see those in red, you know, in the Gospels. So you just go to those red words. And Jesus wasn't about um, a church either. No. You know, at the end of the day, we have to remember that we've gotten so far. People keep saying, oh, I, you know, I know, I know. But then they go off on their own and build a man-made, you know, institution and a million rules. And before you know it, everyone's forgetting that Jesus really about, you know, the spiritual connection with other people and finding that one-on-one relationship with God and practicing compassion and non-judgment. And these are things that don't put anyone off and they should never, you know, put anyone off. What puts people off is some of the negative noise that uh, 
man-made institutions and politicians have unfortunately attached to Jesus' message that some people have co-opted for their own nefarious ends sometimes. So I think uh, if we just really always focus on the words of Jesus, that's a way to stay real grounded and it's approachable and relatable for every other human being out there. Yeah. And like Jesus operated outside of the, there was an institution in his day. He operated completely outside of that. And, you know, church kind of just happened where Jesus was, you know, Um, there's people and we're talking about matters of faith and, you know, community is happening, healing is happening. And, uh, and so church just kind of happened around him. You know, he just created it. Um, And I kind of think that that can still happen um, where, and that might be in the workplace, might be in other, you know, friends or, or communities where, you know, there's two or three people, five people who are having a conversation about spirituality or about God, and they want to continue that conversation. That is essentially church in my view. Um, and I say that even as a pastor of a church that's part of an institution and a denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's a valid forum as well. And that's a place for people to gather and, and kind of a focal point for them is, is sort of a Sunday morning gathering. I think that's really important. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to necessarily elevate that and say that's the only expression for people to explore their faith. Um, because I think, but I think we do need other people. Like, I don't think it's enough to just say, well, you can just be on your own. Let's not talk about it. You're and, and you're on your own and you can figure it out for yourself. Whatever you believe about God, that's fine. I don't think that really works either. I think we need people. Um, so I like your focus on connecting to other people in, in the workplace as well. And, and seeing that as kind of the, the focal point. Yeah, I, I believe those are both uh, vital components. Um, you know, there's you can't go so far off on your own that you become disconnected um, from other believers and other ideas that have already been put forth before you by people who have put a lot of time and energy into you know studying scripture and the gospels. But also, you need to cultivate that personal relationship with God, um, or at the end of the day, you really don't have much because it's going to be a little hollow when you get into the storms of your own life and there's not an institution there to hold you. You really need to have something you can carry with you into every single situation um, in your life, no matter if you're around a group on a Sunday morning or by your own. So I think both play a really important part in becoming uh, more whole um, as a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, a lot of what you're saying is just kind of reminding me of, of stories that I know, and I don't always do this necessarily in the interviews, but can I, I I'm just going to tell this, this one story um, that I heard uh, Alan Hirsch uh, told this story at an event that I was at, um, who's an author and, and a pastor as well. Um, it was about, I, it was a guy in Australia that was kind of disillusioned with church and decided I'm not going back to church. Forget it. I'm going to go water skiing with my friends Sunday morning. And uh, so he calls up a couple of friends and they're going to go water skiing. And these are guys, other guys, they don't, they're not Christian. Don't go to church or anything like that. And so they're out on the boat on the water Sunday morning. And he says, I'm feeling really guilty because I was going to church and I'm skipping today. And he tells his friends this and they say, Oh, don't worry about it. And he said, would it be okay if I just read something out of the Bible out loud, and then I'll feel less guilty about missing. And they're like, yeah, fine, if that's what you want to do. And, uh, and so he reads from the Bible, and they put it away, and that's fine. Um, and then they say, okay, next week, let's get together. And so they get together the next week, and same thing. He says, look, I, I still feel bad. Can I just read this? And he reads something, and then one of the guys asks a question about it. And they start having this conversation about what is actually in the Bible. Eventually, this leads to they keep getting together weekly, and one of the guys says, well, if you believe in this stuff, like, 
you know, there's, this is what's going on in my family. Would you pray for my family? And he says, yeah, sure. So they stop and they actually pray right there. And then eventually they start inviting other people because they're having so much fun water skiing on Sunday mornings. <laughs> so they invite other people to go water skiing with them on Sunday morning, all these guys. And eventually they're at the point where they're all praying for one another. They're reading from the Bible uh, before they go water skiing. And eventually they even get to the point of, hey, you know, maybe based on what we're reading the Bible, it seems like we're supposed to do good for other people. Maybe we could collect some money and give it away to a local charity. So they even start taking up an offering. And so they basically accidentally create a church <laughs> that meets on the beach in Australia to go water skiing. And I just thought, that's actually, that's awesome, right? Like that's, and to me, I see that as God at work through that person. Um, that's a great story. And, and, you know, that to me is kind of a sense of, you know, God is at work and, and spirituality is important and is there for everyone. Like these are all people who are not Christians, um, but they had a spirituality, right? And, and I think we've got those common connections with people that we sometimes just don't, don't realize that are there. Yes, I would completely agree with that. You know, again, no matter where you are, um, whether you're out running errands uh, or you're, you know, working in an office or in a factory or out with clients in the field somewhere, whatever it is, everyone's got a soul underneath it all, underneath all the small talk and the business lingo and uh, business outfits. Uh, everyone's got a soul underneath it that needs attention. So if we just kind of recognize that wherever we go or remind ourselves to recognize that, you know, we're going to help others and grow personally. Right. Okay, can we? I, I want to talk a little bit about the book itself because um, yes. I'm really intrigued by the title, and I think that was maybe one of the things that grabbed me um, the most was just kind of seeing the title. It's called the Lovely Grind. Um, so, can you tell me, like, what does that mean? Why, why did you pick that title? Right. Well, obviously, it's a little ironic. You know, when you think of the grind, lovely is not going to be the first word that comes into your mind there. You know, so part of the idea was that when we enter our work week, the alarm goes off Monday morning, you see this big block letters in front of you, the grind, you know, but if you peel back the layers on what's actually happening during the week, it can not only be manageable, but something that's enjoyable and something that's lovely. So instead of writing our days off, like writing off Monday to get to Tuesday, to get to Wednesday, to get to the weekend, and then to get to vacation or retirement, the lovely grind is ultimately about finding a way to stay connected to God each day and finding a way to maintain our own happiness and personal development each day, even during the stressful or unfulfilling professional periods of our life. So I use the term uh, own our grind rather than being owned by it. So taking little steps to own our grind. Uh, there was a period in my life where I you know, didn't feel like I had too much happiness. I didn't feel like I had too much control over my days. And one morning, uh, my wife, my wife asked me what, you know, are you looking forward to today? Can you just list five things you're looking forward to? I, I honestly, I couldn't think of anything. And that sounds terrible to admit, but I, I was going through a period that wasn't good for me financially. I wasn't feeling particularly fulfilled with work. And I was also commuting a long way. So I was commuting an hour and 15 minutes each way, sitting in an office for eight hours. Um, and then when you get home, it's financial worries and obligations. And I just couldn't think of a good thing. And I started thinking, okay, I need to do two things. One, 
start setting that spiritual focus each day so I realize life isn't just about all the problems I just listed. It's about something much greater, and that's a happiness that's not going to depend on professional fulfillment ultimately or success. And to remember to find those little pieces of happiness and personal development each day and each week. So little piece of personal development, things in your week that have nothing to do with your professional life. So at the end of the week, even if your work week wasn't a success, you're going to be happy with your own progress that week because maybe you're going to add um, a mile onto your daily fitness routine, or maybe you're going to cook a new meal for um, your kids that week, or maybe you're going to finally plan that vacation you kept telling your wife you were going to plan. You're going to take concrete steps. This week, you're going to make those reservations. So when Saturday rolls around, even if you didn't uh, get an A-plus on your performance review or get a raise or get a promotion or get the adulation and praise from everyone at the office, you're going to feel good about yourself. And then the last part that I was speaking about to make that grind lovely is going to be those little pieces of happiness. And that's something, you know, the little things that aren't so little. So spending time outdoors, uh, going for walks with your spouse, you know, getting together for a meal or a drink with friends or family, reading, watching movies. These are things that can be done every single night, you know, 15 minutes, half hour or an hour. Even if you have an extremely long and busy work that you're always going to have something to look forward to. It's going to bring you some happiness at the end of the day so that every week um, putting the proper spiritual perspective can be manageable and beautiful. And if you remember to pay proper attention to yourself and your own happiness, it can even uh, be lovely, I think, as well. So that eventually life isn't so much of a grind anymore. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Um... I'm thinking as well, like I hear about parents um, talking about, oh, we're so busy and there's so much going on and we've got to take the kids to uh, dance and soccer and all this kind of stuff. And some of it also, I think, can be a mindset shift of, do we really want to be saying I'm so bit and maybe we cut down on some of the busyness. I think we should. But at the same time, even if you're taking your kids to dance and soccer, isn't that, isn't that kind of a joy? (laughs) Like, shouldn't that be, wow, this is awesome. I'm taking my kids to dance and soccer and it's busy, but, but this is what we want to do. And, and this brings them joy and brings me joy as well to see them, you know, enjoying, enjoying these activities and that kind of thing. So I I think some of it is shifting our mindset, I think, right? Right. It is. It's uh, keeping perspective, remembering why we're doing things in the first place. And then also uh, trying to remember to be present a little bit more. I know that's kind of a catchphrase nowadays, but it's totally true. Um, be, you know, and I know it's something that I at times have a problem with because I'm in fast forward mode or replaying something that happened the day before and giving myself a grade. You, you got to remember to be present. You know, yeah. the minute that's going on right now is going to fade quickly. And if you don't appreciate it, then how are you ever going to appreciate anything? And whether it's, you know, so you're telling me I shouldn't be on my phone when I'm at my daughter's <laughs> synchronized swimming lesson. Yeah, you know, I I am I'm a 39 year old in the mindset sometimes of an 85 year old when it comes to uh, Facebook and cell phones and Twitter and everything else. I really do, you know, I am a reluctant user of some of these things, and I think I fall outside the majority when it comes to this. Just because for me, I recognize how easily it can bring me to a place of being ultra distracted, easily angered, or always comparing myself to others and ultimately, uh, you know, putting myself down at the end of the day, because that's what social media is about for a lot of people, isn't it? You know, I heard the comedian David Spade, I read a book of 
of his. I don't know if you know David Spade, but instead of Instagram, he called it Instabrag. And I thought, you know, that's really what social media a lot of times is about, you know, people putting out the five minute snippet of the best part of their day. And you're thinking, oh man, my, my life isn't as good as these people. My vacations aren't as exotic. My marriage isn't as perfect. And, you know, we can do that spiritually too. We can think, oh, you know, everyone else is putting out images that makes it look like they maybe have a seamless faith or they never have doubts, this and that. So yeah, just remembering not to always be distracted by the images that other people are throwing at us on Facebook or um, the media is throwing at us, you know, on the news or celebrities or whatever, you know, and stepping away from that technology enough to keep our perspective, our sanity and our uh, happiness. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, now, just getting back to the book again, we're, we're good at just kind of getting off track, but we have that's been okay. Good at this. Um, we, uh, it, the, it's a devotional book, right? So. Yes. How is it? How is it best used by somebody? Like, if somebody is going to pick it up, um, I mean, it's all, it's probably in the book. But what? But what's the intent of the book? Yeah, the intent of the book. There's 90 messages, uh, and they deal with various uh, external and internal stressors and challenges that might make a work week or any week of our lives really uh, stressful or unfulfilling for us. And you know, again, people that pick up, I touch on all these things a little bit in the introduction. People can certainly read the 90 messages in the order in which they're presented, but I have a topical index at the back of the book, Mm. which I hope people are going to find very useful. I put each of the 90 messages into two of 50 categories. uh, And the categories are different uh, workday stressors or challenges. And so those things are going to be things like an unfulfilling work environment might be one category or anxiety or depression might be other categories or having problems staying in the moment. So you can flip to the back of the book and kind of find something that's going to be easily applicable to whatever your most pressing concern is of the day. So maybe you're dealing with a particularly difficult coworker who's making your life miserable at the moment. You know, I'm hoping that some people can wake up and before they go in to deal with this threatening situation, you know, read a message of mine and find a little perspective, uh, both from scripture and from the thoughts that I offer to help them through their morning, you know, and there's obviously so many different things that any person might be going through on a given day that I couldn't touch them all. But I think I've touched on hopefully a good number of both the external things we might face that the workplace presents to us and also the internal, the struggles we might be bringing in with us, um, you know, emotional struggles, depression, anxiety, self-esteem issues, uh, financial issues we carry with us from home. Everyone brings those into the workday with them as well. So I think that people can certainly read the 90 messages in my book in the order in which they're presented, but also using that topical index, I, I sure hope that some people wake up and whatever they're worried about that day, they can flip to the topical index and find a message that's going to give them enough comforting and motivating thoughts to get through the next few hours of their day. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope there's some listeners who, who kind of, uh, realize that maybe that's something that might be useful for them and, uh, and helpful. Maybe they can go pick that up. Um, and we'll have links, I'll have links on the, uh, on the show notes for this, uh, to the book so that people can go in and grab it. Um, can we talk just a bit about your own personal spiritual practice um, and what does that look like? What what do you do in your life to connect with God? Yeah, in my life, um, something that's really become 
a habit in the last five years is doing my spiritual reading and journaling right away in the morning before I even set a foot down any other path in the day. You know, and that's not that that's something that's brand new to me. I've been uh, a Christian my whole life and brought up a Christian my whole life, but you get to be a certain age. For me, that certain age was around my mid-30s when things become a little more real and you need to find something um, on your own. And that's my uh, that's my practice every day is before any tone gets set for me in the day, I'm going to set that spiritual tone by reading uh, different devotional books, reading scripture, uh, always coming back uh, more or less to the gospel messages at some point in the week, and then journaling a little life application. Okay, how am I going to use this um, to apply to what I want to do today, to how I've been feeling this week, to the professional or emotional challenges I've been going through so that is always going to be that morning practice. So it's a big part of what I'm doing. Mm, that sounds really good. Um, do you have any favorite devotional books? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I actually, there's one called Moments of Peace in the Presence of God. Uh, it's, you know, it presents a, a message for each morning and each evening of the year, short little messages that rely on the Psalms uh, for their scripture references. And some people it's a sort of devotional book that some people would call hokey, perhaps, you know, it's not going to be hard hitting, you know, here's an example of how a pastor helped someone through drug addiction or sexual addiction or alcoholism. It's more of a really filling your mind and soul with just beautiful thoughts about what it means to be valued by God and be close to God each day. And for some reason, it's something I keep coming back to, even as I look at some of those more life application devotions, it's just a really, you know, my hat's off to the writers of that devotion, whoever they are. They don't have their names on there. And I think uh, they're really missing on some credit there, too. But a lot of those really, um, that's one that I would encourage people to check out when you're looking for a new devotion. Mm-hmm. You know, also, I've read, like, uh, recently, Tony Dungy's uh, One Year Uncommon Challenge. If you're familiar with Tony Dungy, the American football coach, mm-hmm. Um that one perhaps might rely a little too heavily on football references for the percentage of the population that's not into that, such as Canadians um, or my wife. So no, there's lots of Canadians into football, that's for sure. I mean, if it was hockey, like there, you, then then we'd be really good. But yeah, so the, okay, Football's that's good a good too. idea. My next devotional for Canadians, yeah, <laughs> based on hockey. But I'd have to learn an awful lot about the sport before I undertook that project. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, how do you, how do you manage with, with staying consistent or when you've kind of hit a rut spiritually, uh, how do you respond to that or, or get yourself out of that? Yeah. I mean, to stay consistent, you know, no matter if I'm camping or at a cottage, you know, summer rolls around, people take vacations and whenever I'm traveling from at a hotel, I'm always bringing, um, you know, a devotion book and my notebook so that I can stay consistent right when I wake up. You know, some people jump right out of bed and grab their coffee and go into the living room and start having conversations right away. And before you know it, it gets away from you and you haven't touched on any spiritual reading or anything the entire day. So, you know, before anyone even knows I'm up really, I'll may sneak out, grab my coffee, bring it back into bed and just read for five minutes and then jot down notes about what I've read. So that really helps me to stay consistent is having you know, just a travel-sized devotional book I can carry with me anywhere. Um, And as far as getting out of ruts, 
you know, this isn't going to be something that I could say I'd recommend to everyone. It's just something that I've found useful for myself getting out of ruts. There's a couple ways that I stay connected to God. And this might sound, you know, new agey to some people, but through exercise and through writing are two of the ways that I bring myself out of ruts and closer to God at different points throughout the day, because I don't think I'm alone here. As the day goes on, we tend to wear down emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, Our energy level goes down and, you know, some people that jump off bed with the greatest enthusiasm in the world by three o'clock, they're wondering what's the point of this all? What's the point of existence? And if you're feeling run down uh, to the point where you're starting to get a little down on life and a little uh, down on yourself, sometimes just reading a message or um, singing a hymn, it might work for some people, but sometimes you really need to jolt your whole system. And I think that things like exercise and writing for me are two of those things that really jolt me back to life. And I believe there are two uh, unique ways, two of many unique ways that God's given us to stay connected to, to his presence. So those are ways that, you know, I use on a daily basis to get myself out of, out of ruts. Yeah, that's really cool. I, and I think like one of the things that I want to encourage people around is, is to find out what those things are for them. That's why I like asking that question. Um, it's not that this is necessarily going to be um, like you said, it's, and that won't be the, what it is for everybody, um, but it is for you. And then that might spark someone's imagination either. Oh, I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've got to, we've got to look for those things that'll, that'll kind of get us back into our routines um, of, uh, of finding those times to connect with God. And for some it's the morning, some it's late at night or connected to a particular practice, uh, which might be exercise or, it might be a particular time of day um, or something like writing. Uh, so I think however people can find a, a way to, to connect, that's the important thing is to, is to connect. Often it's about connecting, connecting the idea of connecting with God with some other practice or with some other thing that you do. Um, even having coffee in the morning, right? Like that's yes, uh, exactly, exactly. That's, it's a ritual, right? Like that's uh, is, is, is connecting into a ritual. Um Michael, I've really loved uh, talking to you um, today. And uh, where can people find you online if they are wanting yes, to? Yes, I've uh, got two websites. One is lovelygrind.com. And obviously, you can find my book there, my new devotional. Uh, but you can also sign up for my mailing list there. I do a bi monthly blog post where I just you know talk a bit uh, about some of the things we've been talking about here, different. I'll take different issues or challenges I might be going through at the time and try to put a little spiritual perspective with them. Uh, also, I on lovelygrind.com, I have a monthly theme that I help readers through. And so one month, my blog posts might be geared around the idea of you know remedying perfectionism. Or one month, it might be about finding increased motivation. Uh, you know, if you've been feeling stale in your life. So those monthly blog posts, I encourage people to go to lovelygrind.com. I have another website, michaelprevywriter.com. And my last name is P-R-I-E-B-E, so Michael Preby Writer. And then I'm also on, obviously, Twitter and Facebook, even if it's at times reluctantly. Uh, so it's lovelygrind. It's at lovelygrind on Twitter and Facebook. And then at MSPreby uh, is another handle I use on Twitter. Okay. And I'll have, uh, I'll have links in the, the show notes to those so that people can find them easily. If they need to, they can just go to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and uh, they'll find it there. All right. 
Uh, thanks so much, Michael. I really appreciated our conversation today. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Matthew. I really had a good time. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.